You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, those ancestral helping spirits who bring all that is good and true and beautiful out of our ancestral lines. Not because people were perfect, but because through their life and their death, they figured it out. They reconciled their life and they bring to us the teachings that come from a life well lived and from a good death. And so we ask them to lean in and to help us in this very challenging time for life on earth and to help us, the living, to make decisions, to understand what needs to be sacrificed and to do so in a noble way and to understand what must be given more resource, more life, more excitement, more passion to bring it forward into the world in a way that will be good not only for the next seven generations of humans but for all life. And so as we call these human ancestors in, let us reach through those humans to the even older ancestors, those that are non-human, the plants, the animals, the bugs, the everything, the whole web of life that was here long before there was ever a human being and will be here long after. And we call out to these ancestral energies to help us to remember our own true nature. And to help us to lean in today, to breathe deeply into our heart, into our bones, and to find within ourselves a blessing, a blessing that lives within us, that is coming out straight out of the wellspring of our gratitude for the fact that we are alive and that we have the capacity to create change. So with enormous gratitude to this huge array of helping spirits that are here for us, All we need to do is call them in. We invite them in and now shift our focus. We invite in ourselves and our own spirit, gathering ourselves from wherever we might be in this day, drawing our awareness into our head with the next breath, drawing our awareness down from our head to our heart and with the next breath from our heart down into our belly. And from our belly, let us reach all the way down and touch the earth and take a moment to give thanks for this day. Thanks for your body. Thanks for your life. And thanks for everything in your life that brought you to this moment. All those gifts that have come to you and all of that hardship along the way that has not yet quite revealed itself for the gift that it was for you. And may we all hold each other well in that discovery of how we come to realize how life has given us what we need to become the men and women that we are meant to be. And may we support each other in standing up. And as we give great gratitude to the earth, let us extend our energy down through all the layers of the earth, all the way down to the very, very center of the earth, to this deep core of essential energy and reach into that energy that draws its strength, that draws its power out of darkness and silence stillness and peace that which allows us to sleep at night to dream deeply to move in our journeys that energy of simple elemental darkness no morality no judgment just that which allows us to see in new ways And we give great gratitude for this energy as it is the root of all life here on this earth. And we draw that energy up, bringing up the wisdom of manifestation into our own bodies so that we can learn how to be here in form in a good way. We call this energy up into ourselves so we can know who we are, where we stand and what we stand for as we ground ourselves here in our bodies on this planet at this time. And let us open up our sense 
of family and belonging so that we open beyond people that look like us and think like us and make us feel nice and comfortable in our everyday thoughts and let us open up to those that would challenge us and help us to grow into the men and women we are truly destined to be. And we call out to the energy of the earth to help us in that process to come into right relationships with all the many aspects of ourself within and all the many aspects of the culture around us, all the many aspects of our relationship with the earth, with the environment, and with the invisible world. And as we come into right relationship with all things, may we begin to know our place as part of that great oneness and draw our sense of right relationship from our place in the web of life and from this awareness let us reach up from our belly to our heart our heart to our mind up and out into the weather above whatever time or place you are listening to this reaching out up through the atmosphere out into the cosmos all the way up to the highest power of the universe however you name this energy however you understand it however you conceive of this energy connect with it in your awareness in your felt sense in your visualization however it is that you connect connect and draw this energy into yourself and into your day into these proceedings and in this way we call in blessing We call in protection. We bring these energies into ourselves and radiate it out into our life and into our day. We call out to inspiration and illumination and innovation. We draw these energies down to feel the great benevolence of this universe. We call it all in and ask for that guidance, that bright light of the lighthouse in the storm. And may we live in a way that we may find ourselves being that light for others in their storms. Let us call this energy down, drawing it in, this radiant energy from above into our head, to our heart, to our belly, and down to the center of the earth and connecting heaven and earth above and below. This great channel of energy filled with the big love of these two great legendary lovers, those who are at the beginning in so many tales of so many people who've walked this earth that speak of where we came from. We came from this love and may that love spark and awaken the spirit of your own heart. Let your heart wake up and light that fire under that crucible of transformation that lives in your heart. Let this day be a cauldron of coming to know yourself as you draw up the true passions in your belly, that red thread that connects all the things in your life that have ever mattered. Call that up into your heart, drawing down the crystal clarity in your mind and everything you've learned about how the hell to get things done in the world. We call that energy down into our heart. We let these energies who are so qualitatively different dance together nonetheless, mixing and merging and creating tension and friction. And out of that is born a third sacred thing that understanding or memory, feeling, even just an inkling or a sense of why it is that you are here in your unique genius. And may you find courage in that very same human heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into manifestation in the world. And to the enormous range of spirit help that we have, each one of us has. To do that, I give great thanks. May they help us here today. What needs to be said, be said. What needs to be heard, be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. Finally, today, we get to move on to the show after many weeks of other things happening. And so I want to give special thanks to Kelly and Julie, to Daniel, Donna, Darian, Miriam, Craig, And Wild Carrot Herbs, these are all the listeners that have donated recently to the show. For those of you who are listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported. And it only exists for as many years as it had with over 450 hours um, of podcasts in the archives because of listeners like you. So if you are moved in any way by today's show, even if you are moved to irritation and frustration, which very well may be the case today, Consider yourself moved and know that the things that move us in the heart need to motivate our actions in the world. And this is the very essence of shamanic teachings. And this is the very essence 
of how we need to learn. We, humanity, needs to learn to be moved in the world today. And so I invite you to allow that movement in your heart to move you into action and do something large or small to help the show to grow, to stay vital and alive and available to anyone who can get onto the internet from anywhere on the planet. You can go to whyshamanismnow.com. Click support, donate, and scroll down. Donate any amount, large or small. We are deeply grateful for all of it. It keeps the show on the air and the archives available. So thank you, everyone, for all the many things that you do. So we are live today, and if you have questions about today's topic, which is another section of the Getting Unstuck series. So if you have questions, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site if you're listening live, or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So today, for those of you that are listening, not listening live, today actually happens to be September 25th, 2018. On this day, Energy Body Mastery begins. And it is still, you still have time to register. This is a seven-week live online course that is the fundamental skill set for all the good stuff we talk about here on Why Shamanism Now. And it is the foundation of my own shamanic practice and the foundation of the health and well-being in my own life. So if you would like to join us in that course, now's the moment. Um, You can go to energybodymastery.com and register today. And if you're not listening today, you're actually listening on some other day, you can still go to energybodymastery.com, put your name on a wait list, and we would be happy to let you know the next time the course happens, which is once a year in the fall. All right. So why am I bringing this up other than the fact that it's happening today? That is one reason. The other reason is because everything that has uh, moved and guided me in my life, and that's just one life here on the face of the earth, has been about how do we move forward when we are stuck and how do we get out of our own way? Because the thing that I really have a great deal of passion about in my life is transformation, is watching a living thing who is frustrated into stuckness on one day, find what they need to move through that stuckness the next. I've, it doesn't really matter what the living thing is. Just watching that happen, being part of that happening, witnessing it happening, and doing the work in my own life, for me is really inspiring. And it is the source of my hope, and uh, belief in possibility and change, even while I look around me and watch a whole lot go into hell in a handbasket. Okay, so people ask me that question all the time. How do you remain so hopeful? This is, this is how, exactly how. Because in the minute micro events of the day, I myself and those who are part of my life as students and clients engage in actual qualitative transformation. Okay, so these shows are about when that feels really, really hard. Okay, so the first series was about a particular kind of stuckness. It's in the archives, and there are three parts to that series. And so this was about that learning the art of getting out of your own way that begins with waking up out of the denial that the things that you're doing are actually working. And then stepping into true curiosity be curiosity about the deeper nature of your own stuckness. This is what we were talking about the last three shows about this. And um, that series began June 27th, 2017. Um, and we talked about that. We're not talking about that particular stuckness today. We're talking about a new stuckness. That was um, that was not really ego death stuckness either. That's its own flavor of stuck. That was just the garden variety. Your life is the logical conclusion of your collective belief system stuck. 
And so those three shows about how you really get unstuck from accepting finally that you are the logical you, – you and your life are the logical conclusion of your belief system. So the only way out of this stuck place is ultimately going to be a true change in your belief system, which is not that easy to do, by the way. And so that's what those shows are about. Okay, today we're talking about a different kind of stuckness. This is a stuckness that we actually create by telling ourselves lies. In other words, it's not this comprehensive – my life has brought me to this place kind of stuckness. This is a kind of stuckness where we are deaf and blind to the fact that we are actually generating this stuckness with the stories that we tell. And the stories are lies because they are not the stories about the fact that you are here with a unique genius and you have what you need to bring that unique genius in the world. You simply need the skills to access what you need to support you. And that's pretty much the name of the game in every lifetime that we have. Okay, so today we're talking about this particular kind of stuckness that comes from telling ourselves lies and the way that we perpetuate this stuckness when we refuse to take responsibility for our narrative. And so that's a key. This, this refuse to take responsibility that is always a key for the fact that the person who's refusing to take responsibility or the part of yourself that is inspiring you to not take responsibility is living in the dynamic of shared human life that is blaming and shaming and judgmental. It's an eye for an eye kind of thinking and it is um, not sustainable ultimately. But it also requires constant um, shame, guilt, blame, judgment, and separation from each other. So the next level of thinking, which is where actually shamanism comes in. Shamanism doesn't really operate at this blame, shame, guilt level. Shamanism operates at this level of we are all part of this oneness. We are not separate. We are part of this oneness. And therefore, our stuckness is somehow part of this. And I can learn to work with this in a way that allows me to get unstuck. And that then that happens because A, I'm going to take responsibility for my stuckness. And B, I have the power to learn new things and make things happen, make things transform. And I may need help to do that. I may need to, to, to gain skills to do that, but I can still do that because I am a person of power and I'm going to take responsibility to use that power in a good way in my life. And so there, there are really two different ways of thinking about life. And those planes are, if you could see me, I'm gesturing with both hands, making circles, circular motions, creating two planes that do not intersect that they are planes that move simultaneously and do not intersect. And the important thing is you don't want to be in the blame, shame, guilt, judgment, I'm not taking responsibility for my life place because it's really boring. It just repeats itself over and over and over again. And it destroys your hope. It destroys your sense of possibility. And the most important thing about it is you begin to generate in the world precisely the thing you are fighting against, the nature of that level of thinking. Okay, so let me tell you a little story just to perk things up here. So I've been chuckling about this all day. So today at my house was the day they come to pick up the bins, the trash bin and the recycle bin and in Portland, Oregon, the compost bin. So all the yard waste and the food waste all goes in the compost bin. It gets taken to the big composter in the sky and compost is made for the um, all of the compost needs of the city here in Portland. Okay. All well and good, except I was in the backyard. So let me describe my home. So when you arrive at my home in Portland, Oregon, you walk around a little path on the side of the house past the lovely bamboo and there is a gate. If you're here for an appointment, the gate will be open. 
You come through the gate. There's a small little waiting room. It, this is all very Portland. Composting toilet, <laughs> raised beds, growing food mostly and some flowers. My little hut for seeing uh, clients and my husband's for his acupuncture practice. Big fire circle in the center, elemental shrines everywhere. It's a little sanctuary where people can come prior and hang out after their healing sessions. Okay, so what's the point? The point is on the weekend, we didn't have any clients. I was in the back working in the gardens. They're all big, overgrown, end of the summer Oregon gardens right now and um, so I filled up a couple containers full of stuff that needs to go into the compost bin and yesterday Monday um, I was waiting for my husband to open the gate uh, for his clients because I didn't have any and then once the gate was open then I'd take the compost stuff into the compost bin I waited all day for that gate to get open without realizing that his clients had all canceled and the gate wasn't going to get opened and I completely forgot by the end of the day woke up this morning realizing oh crap I still have to bring that compost stuff out to the bin before the big truck comes to empty it okay this is really boring right my point is I created a story that I needed that gate open to get that compost stuff around and put it in the bin. That was the story in my head. And I told that story in my head in the background of all the other things I did yesterday. And it kept me from being able to get the compost out into the bin because that gate never opened. There was a second gate. I mean, there is a second gate. It was open all day long. I saw it open all day long. But because my idea was attached to the story of using gate number one, it never crossed my mind to use gate number two. That's the power of stories. Now, this is an innocuous and stupid little story that I have shared with you only to show you, though, how simply, quickly, and unconsciously we do this. So this is a stupid little story that's just about getting a bunch of yard waste into a compost bin. There's no fear involved in it. There's a little bit of effort, but not much. So in other words, there's nothing driving this story in. There's nothing kicking my adrenals into action and creating some sort of flight, uh, fight or flight response to drive this story deeper into my bones. There is nothing important about this stupid little story at all except that it demonstrates the profound power of our stories so now imagine the stupid little story created complete blindness i stood in the open gate yesterday having conversation two or three times with my husband and still Never struck my mind to drag that compost stuff through that second gate because that wasn't the story. The story was it was going to go out that other gate. That's how stories work, people. And when those stories are driven in through repetition, through trauma, through the fact that it was a crappy belief system handed you by your family and then it got reinforced by your church, then it got reinforced in your school and ultimately is reinforced by your culture. These stories get driven deep and they're powerful. They create deafness and blindness. They create a lived sense of reality but we're the only one living in that reality, and we don't know it. That is the power of story. And what I want to talk about today is the stuckness created by the power of the stories we tell ourselves. Okay, because this is both direct and tricky. And I think this is part of the reason people get lost and they abandon the change your story, change your life narrative. And I don't mean to dismiss that narrative. Change your story, change your life is an important understanding to have. It is a skill set that is absolutely required in today's heavily media-mediated world because media is all about stories and narratives and who's controlling the narrative, etc. And it takes a lot of work in your own mind for you to steal the reins of your narrative back in today's distracted culture. So if you don't actually understand 
with skills how to change your stories and this whole logic behind change your story, change your mind, I can suggest to you one of many good books about that. This one happens to be by Carl Greer and it is called Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Um, C-A-R-L Greer, G-R-E-E-R. Many other versions out there. Go ahead and Google it. Okay, so that's the direct way of addressing it is it is a thing there's a lot of research about the thing and there's skills and ways to deal with the thing okay but i think the reason that people start doubting that that's the thing is because it's also tricky and a lot of these first books are written to bring you into that way of thinking and working and give you a basic skill set there needs to be, you know, book two and book three and book four and book five because of the power of story, stories that we've heard from the time we were a child. So, for example, in America, any person of color is hearing a story from the moment they arrive on this soil at this time that they are somehow inferior, deficient, and some there's some valid reason they don't deserve the same thing white presenting people deserve. That's a ridiculous story, but it exists and it is constant and it is reinforced everywhere. The power of that kind of story is not only direct in that it can um, inspire you to internalize that story even as you struggle against it, but it is also tricky Because we have many selves internally that can take different positions or different roles relative to certain stories, different um, characters within the way these stories cast us in the world. There can be aspects of ourself that become very, very frustrated with a particular story that we are carrying and start generating their own stories. So there is a tricky aspect to it as well. And this for me is where going from change your story, change your life moves into this deep understanding of the true elemental energy body that we all carry and how to get in to different levels out of our mind and into our energy body where other stories get logged in. So the stupid story around the gates was just floating around in my mind, making me blind, right? The other stories, like I said, the kind of stories that are driven through trauma, through abuse, through repetition, through larger cultural systems, these are not all in our mind only. They are also taking up residency in our heart and in our body. And that's the tricky bit. Okay. So both are true simultaneously. And I think this trips people up sometimes. And this is one of the simple ways I would say this is the strength of the cycle teachings is the cycle teachings are a coherent shamanic cosmology that moves to the forefront all of the crazy logic trickstery energies in a shamanic cosmology to help us to deal with precisely this problem, this problem of the non-logical way that the stories work. Okay, so whenever we're talking about these these issues of the mind, because the stories begin in the mind, um, we are also talking about the trickster. And the trickster definitely cuts both ways, depending on whether you are in a healthy working relationship with trickster or a shadowy relationship with the trickster. Um, But the message um, that I think – so I want to share with you sort of a trickstery story, in other words. So one of the messages that was the hardest for me ever to hear from a practitioner offering me in my early 20s was a man, a white man. <laughs> so it's a pretty charged situation. But what he said to me is, you are not responsible for the actions of the men who raped you. You are not responsible for their emotions, for their energy, 
or any projections they have on you. Their actions, their motivations, their emotions, their projections, their energy, their lessons are their own responsibility. They are not yours ever in any way. He said, Christina, you are responsible for the life you create with your choices. So what will you choose now? Okay, at the time he told me this, I was still living in the blame, shame, guilt, issues around picking up my responsibility way of approaching life. And with that said, um, I was really angry with him. And I felt that I was doing all that I could, that he didn't understand as a white man, how could he possibly, etc. And at the same time, he was right. And it rang my truth cord in spite of how pissed off I was at him. And over time, what I have come to realize is because it did resonate with my truth cord, that I was responsible for my actions and the life I created with my actions, that I needed to then control the narrative of my own life. I needed to be clear about the stories I was telling myself and the stories I was telling myself about reality. And so this message from this person, which really made me angry at the time that I heard it, has become now in reflection, decades later, one of the most important things anyone ever told me because it became the crux around which my life turned or the thing around which my life pivoted so I began to take responsibility for my life and the stories that I told myself and stop worrying about everybody else um, and and the reason I began to see it as valuable, and here's the trickstery part, is that it was only by letting go of the old story in which I was abused, letting go of that old story and picking up a new story with certain skills that allowed me to maintain that new story, that I became a person who could be effective in conversation that would create change of the larger social system that supported that abuse. That's the trickstery piece, is the, uh, is the paradoxical fact that at, when you are embedded in that old story, you are embedded in that thinking that doesn't allow you to be thinking at the next level, which is where the solution is. How do we move to the next place? How do we not perpetrate the problem? Because one of the things that is really hard for people to understand is how when you identify with a role, you begin to manifest its counterpart. So if you over-identify with the victim role, which is what I was doing when this man shared me this this wisdom, this piece of wisdom, you begin to perpetrate. You, the, that story justifies actions and you're blind and deaf to the fact that those actions are harmful. You're not perpetrating in the same way. This is the trick, another part of the trickstery piece. But you become the very thing you choose to fight against. And this is something that activists notice as well in their activist work if they're paying attention, that when we, in essence, fight for peace, we're manifesting more fighting and not a lot of peace. So again, the, these are not new ideas. We're just applying it to this particular challenge of stuckness. So Charles Eisenstein has a really lovely uh, piece, a uh, quote that I'd like to share from, um, I think it's from The More Beautiful World Our Heart Knows is Possible, but I'm not exactly sure about that. Anyway, he says, you could ask, why are people attracted to narratives that justify the terrible? Why are people attracted to narratives of control and fear and hunting down the terrorists and this uncaring attitude toward nature? These come from what I call the perceptions of separation and the experience of separation, the experience of alienation, 
the experience of scarcity and anxiety and competition and a world in which everybody is out for themselves and nobody cares. And so this speaks to why we do it. But it doesn't speak, I mean, it does actually speak to how it changes, which is we, for me, the path was into shamanism precisely because it is a coherent system that teaches how you live from connection, from oneness, not from separation. And what I see largely around me is people who talk oneness and still live from separation. Their dominant narrative, the thing that keeps them stuck, is still coming out of this experience that we all share, or most of us share, I won't speak for you, around alienation and separation. This is what the Western cultures have pretty much preached, literally, through the politics, through the religion, for a long time. But as with the opening, you have the capacity every single day to touch into the essence energies of the earth and to sky, to feel the inspiration from above, the nourishment from below, and the ability to have a new thought. Okay, so here's the thing. Over the time that I have been in practice, which now is about 30 years, right, in the beginning – Actually, this was even before I was in practice, but at that time, people would say this, I am doing everything. You just don't understand. I can't do that. I'm a Taurus or a Scorpio or a Cancer or whatever, right? And then about the end of my illustrious career in corporate America, then it became, I'm doing everything, You just don't understand. I can't do that. I'm an INFJ. It became some Myers-Briggs designation or some other personality typing that was going around at that time. And so over, over the years then, the next thing became diagnoses. We, 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 uh, the escalation of the, the names of psychological problems escalated and we couldn't, You know, I'm doing everything I can. You don't understand. I can't do that. I'm whatever. I'm my diagnosis, right? And today, the big challenge that we have is I'm doing everything. You just don't understand. I can't because I have PTSD. Okay. So my point is all of these things your zodiac sign, your personality type, whatever diagnoses you have, whatever diagnoses you have. Let's just assume for the sake of today's discussion as we're running out of time that your diagnosis is correct in the first place. And that is not a given, especially when you've got a hot new fad diagnosis, PTSD, that solves everything, that covers everything. PTSD is a real thing. I'm not saying it's not a real thing. I'm just saying I'm starting to see it used, like handed out like candy. Okay, so anyway, my point, these things, they're all real. They do describe how we are different. But they don't say it is impossible for you to do this. They all say this makes it hard for you to do this. You are still a person. You are still adaptable. You are still changeable. You still have the capacity as an adult to address your fear-based stories. These things, all of them, they might define the particular flavor of your challenge, but not one of them says this makes it impossible for you. And so... The point is to really notice your language, your story. Are you using your whatever as an excuse or an explanation? Because as an explanation, it can become part of a diagnosis, which then becomes part of a remedy. As an excuse, 
it keeps you in that realm of I'm not taking responsibility for change in my life because it will be hard, right? And I want things around me to change without having to change myself. Now, pretty much everybody feels that way. But most people who come to me for a session are there because they've realized they have to take responsibility. And they have to take responsibility to change themselves or the situation in their life is never going to change. It's a given. Right? So what I really want to talk about today is the stuckness that people create in their lives when they are using something that is potentially true. Again, we're just going to assume for today your diagnoses are real, are correct, taking something as important but treatable as PTSD and using it as your excuse to not pick up responsibility for your life and to not change and transform. So let's look at, let's break it down. I'm doing everything. (laughs) Okay. So I get this a lot at just people, you know, following up from their soul retrieval. I'm doing everything and it's not working. I get this all the time. Right. This is human. So I asked people, okay, great, what are you doing? They go, what do you mean? I said, you said you're doing everything. What are you doing? Tell me about it. What does your day look like? Describe it to me. And everyone goes, oh. (laughs) Okay. Now, usually what comes out of that is, one, they're not doing everything. But they are busy, which we all struggle with, granted. Or they don't have the skills to do what they're trying to do. Okay. So that's all well and good. But when I see people using, I'm doing everything you just don't understand, I can't because of X. What I see is the person is doing a lot of things. They've learned this, like let's say yoga, maybe they even went to yoga teacher training And they stopped when they started to touch into themselves at their first um, Vipassana retreat, for example. And so then they moved on from that to the next thing. Maybe it's shamanism. And then they started using their new journeying skill and their new helping spirits from this place of blame, shame, and judgment. And they started getting weird answers that lead to problems in our lives in spite of the fact that I'm sure their teacher told them not to do that. And... So that goes sideways. And um, what I see when a person who's saying this, but I'm doing everything, but is using it as an excuse, what I see is they are doing many things up to about 65 to 75%. And that when they get to that place where that thing they've been doing begins to get some traction and start to push and pull and make you uncomfortable at that place in you that needs to change. In other words, when it starts to get hard, people deflect to the next thing. And they learn another thing, another skill, and now they're doing that. And they may be continuing to do some amount of time of each of these new things they've learned every day. They're still doing some yoga. They're still doing some journeys, or at least still doing divination. They're still doing this or that. So, yes, it feels like they're doing everything, but they are doing nothing to 100%. And when you start to talk about that, you just don't understand. I can't because I have PTSD. We get back to the excuse versus looking at in your current situation, what needs to happen for you to be able to do this one thing 100% to begin to move you through this stuck place that you're in. And so this is 100% consistent in my not scientific survey (laughs) but this is what I see now with a person who doesn't really want to make excuses for themselves this is eye-opening and they really want to know which of the eight things I'm doing is going to most directly help me do this thing whatever this thing is they want to do and we figure that out and then based on that then what do I need to do differently in this one thing 
like for example yoga what do i need to do differently so that i can move into and through this place that i bounced out before that i wasn't willing to go into because it was too hard it was too uncomfortable because i didn't want to change see cuz this place there's so many different things that we can choose to do and they all work if we do them all the way so if we get our soul parts back and complete the integration if we have the ancestral healing done and complete the follow-up right if we actually do what we are invited to do from the divination that we learn to do with our angel cards right we have to be willing to do what's uncomfortable if we really want change and this is this is a consistent piece that i see so there's just this line that people won't cross now granted i joked that this was my unscientific um 100% of my unscientific study but this this theory is well developed in arnie mendel's work process work process oriented psychology that the issue shape shifts or another way to say it is it's found in all facets of our life all of our wisdoms come up against it in exactly the same place so that 35 to 25% you're not doing you're not doing everywhere or all the many things you are doing you stop at the point where you hit that place where there's some pushback where there are aspects of you that don't want to change and it is all about avoiding pain avoiding the fear of pain, avoiding this change and disruption or the disharmony that that creates. And all of these things speak to inner child selves that could be cleared through the clearing process. Not every inner self that won't budge is soul loss. Is, and certainly it isn't PTSD. Many of these energies are simply marginalized selves potentially shadow selves or dissociated selves. These are sphere of influence. We need to be willing to go the distance to do what they need. And this is a piece that is always challenging to understand is that the wound demands its own healing. So a broken leg demands to be treated like a broken leg. A broken heart needs to be treated like a broken heart. A messed up story in the head needs to be treated as a messed up story in the head. That each of these things is a different kind of burden, it's a different kind of wound. And they, they require different kinds of healing. And you can't decide if you want healing. You can't decide, I won't do that thing that is needed to heal that wound. It's like saying, well, my leg's broken and I want to run a marathon, but you can't reset this leg. I won't let you. Now, when we talk about that in the physical realm, it sounds completely absurd, right? But when we start talking about that in terms of our heart and soul, our mind, our spirit, our energy body, people start getting all crazy and woo-woo and wishful thinking about things. Okay, so this is the first piece is the I'm doing everything is you are doing everything to about 75% and nothing to 100%. And so the trickster question here is who is doing everything? So who in you is the one who is doing everything so well that it is distracting you perfectly from that 25% that you need to be doing? And so the trickster is asking us to pay attention to the fact that one aspect of the self is working really hard to heal and some other aspect of the self is working really hard to keep us out of that 25% that we're afraid to dig into. And so you're at cross purposes with yourself and you need to explore why because uh, why are these two selves at cross purposes? And so again, this goes back to the energy body mastery and the clearing work that is so essential because no one can answer that for you, but we can teach you skills to get in there. And so the next trickster question about this particular piece would be, why are the rules different for you? Why does everything you're trying to do not work for you? 
that is another red flag that you and your story are kind of full of shit. When the rules that work for everybody else don't work for you. It means there's something else going on. Something else needs to happen so that the practice like yoga and Vipassana can work for you. I'm not saying just hammer away at the yoga and the Vipassana. I'm saying figure out why the rules aren't working for you because nobody's that special. Or at least we're not special in that way. We'll put it that way. Okay. So as Charles Eisenstein said, our stories are powerful. If we see the world as dead, we will kill it. If we see the world as alive, we will learn how to serve its healing. Okay, so let's move on to um, I'm doing everything. And the next part of it is you don't understand, really. This is often said to practitioners. I mean, it's one thing if you're saying it to your best friend. Maybe they don't understand. Maybe they have a very different life experience and they don't understand. Maybe you're a person of color saying it to a white person and you're right, they don't understand. Maybe you're men and women trying to talk to each other. And around this, yes, okay, maybe you don't understand. And practitioners are all human. And you may experience those, sa- may experience those same dynamics with humans, practitioners. And there's a whole lot of practitioners that really do understand. And the main thing is, let's say the scenario is the PTSD. So I'm a victim. You don't understand, right? I can't do that. I have PTSD. I'm a victim, right? Most practitioners, be they therapeutic or otherwise, do not want to jump into the victim hole with you and validate you as a victim. They want to validate you as a person of power who is capable of healing. And here, of course, is the rub with the whole situation around trauma therapy is that y'all wouldn't have your validation and the diagnoses you have right now had y'all not fought because in the beginning of my life, y'all were treated as it was all psychosomatic and was all in your head. So I get that. I get that you had to fight to get people to listen to your story and validate it and its effects as real in your life. Absolutely. And there's a whole lot of practitioners out out there now that don't need you to keep validating your story. They get it. They do understand. They are shamans and other practitioners that are involved in um, this trauma recovery movement that is happening right now. So there are a lot of people out there that do understand and they understand more than you do because they've worked with people like you. They've worked with people who have things that are worse than you. They've got a a broad and diverse experience around the thing you're dealing with and you only have yours and your story. And so it's a really important thing to understand that they do understand. Okay, so the trickster question here is who doesn't actually understand? What don't they understand? What is needed to gain understanding? So all of these people, the one who doesn't understand, the one who needs to gain understanding, the one who doesn't want to take responsibility because it's going to hurt, it's going to be effort, it's going to be change, it's going to upset the apple cart and you're barely keeping the cart stable as it is. They're all different people inside of you. So there's the current time self who wants to be different. There's the inner self who wants to understanding that you don't want to give. And there's the current self who won't walk the path that the wound demands. These are all selves that are at play, which is why you're stuck. Because they don't all want to go in the same direction. And the story propagates that. The story propagates, the the story of the wounding propagates all of those other inner selves telling their version of that story. So as Charles said, no one's ever completely broken. It's just a matter of how much has to fall apart before the ember of life is exposed to the air. 
Okay, so the third part of our sentence, which is, I'm doing everything, you just don't understand, I can't, I have X, fill in the blank. Right now, the favorite is, I have PTSD. Like it's something you caught, like a cold. Okay, so the first off, there are shows about this in the archives, so I'm not going to go deeply into this at this moment with five minutes left of this show. In a true PTSD or complex PTSD diagnosis, there is, by definition, soul loss involved. It's not the whole story, but it is what sets PTSD apart from other reactions to trauma. And there are other reactions to trauma. Not every soul loss creates PTSD. Not every time you find yourself back in a story from the past is that PTSD. Because we can find ourselves reacting to the present out of the past with a marginalized self, with a dissociated self, with a shadow self, with all of these different ways we fragment within ourself. Any of those inner voices can create that. All of that is clearable one way or another. And then there's soul loss on top of that, which is a much greater separation from self. And some of the soul loss that people experience also creates PTSD. There is no PTSD or complex PTSD out there without soul loss. So the important thing is PTSD is not a disease. It is not something that you can't heal from. And so if you are working with anyone in the trauma field that is telling you, you have PTSD, therefore you cannot do X, Y, Z, find someone else. Because that is simply not true. Your soul arrived whole or basically whole. Uh, That's a whole other soul loss story. But anyway, your soul arrived, trauma happened, soul loss happened. Soul retrieval is an easy fix. Integrating that, not necessarily so easy, but you can be supported in doing that. Repair is possible if you are willing to seek out the healing that particular wound demands. Okay. So, um, disease, you know, just keep this in mind. Disease is a pathophysiological response to an internal or external factor. A disorder is a disruption to regular body structure or function. It is not PTSD as in disease. It is post-traumatic stress disorder. It is a disorder. This is a disruption to the regular bodily structure or function. Right, because it's a disorder to the soul. Because nothing disrupts our functioning more than something happening at our soul level. And nothing heals our functioning more holistically than something happening at the soul level. Okay. So, trickster questions. Who got disordered? It's an order. It's a disorder, right? Who got disordered? Where are they? Who is traumatized? Where are they? Who is afraid to talk to the disordered self and the traumatized self? Why? None of these inner selves are the same people. Someone was traumatized in this PTSD experience or complex experiences, the abuse dynamic of this. Someone was traumatized, but it wasn't you. The you that is sitting here saying, but I'm doing everything. I've worked so hard. You don't understand. Um, I can't. I have PTSD. That you is fine. You're here, real time, present time, breathing. You are capable of making new choices. You are capable of making sustained new choices. You are capable of changing your story. As Charles says, we have to create miracles. A miracle is not the intercession of an external divine agency in violation of the laws of physics. A miracle is simply something that was impossible from an old story 
but possible from within a new one. It is an expansion of what is possible. Charles Eisenstein. So I want to give thanks to the spirits that gather around us and help us to return again and again to the answers that help us as humans to heal here on this earth. I give gratitude to this earth and to the sky above. And I give gratitude to the heart that connects us all. I want to remind everyone that Energy Body Mastery happens every year. It's happening right now. If you're listening live today, you can still register for today's class that begins at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, energybodymastery.com. And if you're listening to this show at some other time and you missed that boat, it will sail again next fall. So go ahead and go to the same address, energybodymastery.com, and put your name on the wait list. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.